Just a little condolences to all you Carolina and, and uh, Duke fans. I, I feel your pain. It's been a rough weekend. If any of you need a Stephen minister see me after service, I can make that happen. Uh, let's turn uh, in scripture to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And as we read the scripture, look how Paul has received great love and support from the Philippians. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know where to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my afflictions. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epidopolis what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glories in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I just ask you to speak to me today that the words that I share will be your words and nothing more, nothing less. And that as you speak, our hearts will be open to you. In the name of the Father, we pray. Amen. I want you to think about the word contentment, what the meaning is. If you do a Google search, we see that the word contentment means satisfied, full, peace-filled, and not wanting. I want you to ponder a time in your life when you felt contentment. Maybe it's today, maybe it was yesterday, or days gone by. I thought I'd share an example of contentment in my life. This was when I was quite young, a preschooler. At that time, my parents, siblings, and I, we lived in Nichols, New York, a very small town in New York. And it just so happened we had a neighbor named Mrs. White. Mrs. White was a senior citizen, could have very easily gone to Walter Wood, just a lovely person. And she was the type of person that if I were to go over to her house with my friends, she would always give us butterscotch candy. And to this day, I can taste that candy, as I remember Mrs. White. Well, the downside was Mrs. White was a nosy neighbor. She loved to know what was going on, and consequently, she made everybody's business her business. Well, there was one time when my mom and my sister went to Virginia to visit her grandmother. So as they went, all was well, they came back, and then Mrs. White came over and said to my mom, Myrtle, I don't know what was wrong with that little Eddie. He didn't cry once while you were gone. He was happy as a lark. And that's when my mom said to Mrs. White, well, Mrs. White, that's because his dad gave him everything he wanted. He's a spoiled rotten brat. Well, the truth be known, well, maybe I'm still that way, but 
too bad my wife's not here to testify. Uh, but long story short, that is not an example of where true contentment comes from. It's not in ourselves. For today, we're going to see where true contentment does come from. I think it's safe to say we all want contentment in our lives. Let's do a little evaluation of a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being very discontent, and 10 being I am content, I'm a top of the world. Uh, evaluate yourself for just a second here. Okay? As we move forward, we're going to look at the life of Paul. The Apostle Paul could have been very easily discontent. He had so much happening in his life, many challenges beyond what we could ever imagine. He was beaten, he was stoned, he was imprisoned, he was starved, he was shipwrecked. Other than that, he was fine. I mean, could you imagine all these things that he went through suffering for Christ? You know, there's examples of discontent in the scripture. We see that Paul was content. But think about the Israelites. You know, when they were leaving the promise, or leaving Egypt to go to the promised land. And as they went there, they began to grumble. Why? Because they were hungry. They were thirsty. And I get that completely. I mean, I'm the type of person, if I haven't had my mid-morning or mid-afternoon snack, I started getting a little grumpy. So needless to say, uh, the Israelites were discontent with where they were. But as we look at our scripture for today, I think we need to look at where Paul's coming from and where he found his true contentment. Paul, he was in prison in Rome. And while he was there, he received the financial support of the Philippians. But not only financial support, but he received the spiritual support. He knew that they were praying for him. They cared for him deeply, for they had helped him in the past. If you look at verse 10, verse 10 reads, <clears throat> But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now what you care for me has flourished again. So basically he's saying, thank you one more time for giving to me the way that you did. And in his thank you to the Philippians, he is saying to them, not so much of, well, thanks for nothing, but he's saying, you know what, I am so content, whether you were to give to me or not, I could be satisfied because of Christ Jesus in me. He was not being by any means unappreciative, but he's trying to help the Philippians to see that all was well with him in good times and bad times. I have to wonder to myself, how is it that Paul came to that conclusion? Well, I think he came to the conclusion because he realized that there was something far greater in him that gave him that contentment. That is Jesus Christ. Think about Jesus Christ in our own lives and how Jesus brings that contentment to us. You see, Paul says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You see, because of his relationship with Jesus Christ spiritually, you see, Paul had died. He had been resurrected with Jesus when he accepted Christ. When he trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, he was changed. Jesus was in him, and he was in Jesus. And from that, there was that strength just living right out of him that gave him the, the contentment that he needed. You know, I was thinking of contentment in my own life. And just recently, I went on sabbatical. A sabbatical where I had about six weeks in October and the first week of November to rest and relax and to rec recuperate. And it was a, a blessed time. I went to a retreat center for three days called Well of Mercy. This is a retreat center that is near Statesville. And believe me, people, it is out in the boondocks. I was driving out there going, have mercy. This is like deliverance out here. I wasn't sure where I was going. So thankfully, I got there. And I didn't hear any banjos. Whew. So I, I saw the... Uh, <laughs> The property, beautiful place. And so I was welcomed and got settled in and got in the routine. And the second day, I decided to go on a walk around the place there. And the way they have it, there's uh, trails that have um, 
places where you can sit and rest and reflect. And so I thought, this is for me. So I, I walked to this little stream. There was a bridge, and on the, the bridge was a, was a bench. So I thought, I'm going to go sit on the bench and see how God might speak to me. And God said to me, Ed, this is where your contentment is. I'm like, okay, God. And God really said to my heart, he said, and think about that shepherd in Psalm 23. How that shepherd led David, the psalmist, to still waters to restore his soul, right? And think about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And as she was where she was, she was asking Jesus for water to quench her thirst. But Jesus gave her something far greater. Jesus gave her what? That spiritual water that, that quenched her spiritual thirst where she could be content for the first time in her life. You see, that's where our contentment is, in Jesus and Jesus alone, who fills us with himself, who gives us that strength that lives out of us, and in that gives us security, gives us security to calm our fears and our anxieties, that moves us to significance, that helps us to see how worthwhile we are. And sometimes we believe a lie about ourselves, that we are not worthwhile, that we are rubbish, that we are yesterday's news. I'm here to tell you that's not the truth. We are truly his masterpiece because of his presence in us. But he accepts us for who we are, all our warts and all. He loves us when we're not perfect. He values us for how we are, not how we perform or how we look. Important side note is, keep this in mind, contentment in Jesus is not a feeling of happiness. It is an inward joy and peace that fills us with the truth of who this Jesus is in our lives. On the flip side, I want us to look at what is discontentment. How does discontentment happen in our lives? Sometimes moving us from contentment to that. And here's some of the reasons why it happens. We at times can have unrealistic expectations of ourselves. It happens easily in the stages of life. Sometimes a couple will get married and thinking, oh my goodness, our marriage is going to be the perfect marriage. We're not going to have any arguments. We're going to just love each other. And it's going to be hunky-dory. I'm here to tell you, young people or people that are getting married for the first time, being older, is not that way. You, it's couples that are together, they sometimes have disagreements. I'm here to tell you. But the good news is that in that disagreement, there is true contentment in Jesus. We'll, we'll get to that. But I want to, want to share as I give this example to you that if someone in a marriage is thinking that all is well and there's never going to be any kind of conflict, my personal opinion is that person is eating crow or in denial. Because as you know, as, as married couples, that sometimes there is that type of conflict. But then as a couple begins to have children, the couple might go, you know what, we're going to have the perfect child. That child is just going to be great. I mean, how hard is it to parent? My parents parented me. So in that, the parents become disillusioned. They have these great expectations. And then the discontent comes in because they realize it's difficult to take care of a child. Children are not easy. They have lots of needs that need to be met. And it becomes quite difficult. And then fast forward a bit to retirement, to the golden years. Sometimes as seniors, we're thinking that the golden years are going to be so wonderful. They're going to be free of health challenges. They're going to be such where we have all sorts of money to be able to afford this and that. And that's not true. So in that, expectations are dashed and we become discontent. You know, what? I do believe that sometimes our unrealistic expectations are based on perfectionism. There may be some per perfectionists in here. I know I can be one. I should start a support group for, for those of us. Uh, very easily, I could say, uh, my name is Ed, and you know, welcome to the group. And y'all would uh, say, uh, 
good e evening or afternoon, Ed. Good to have you here. But you know, in that we are trying to measure up. We get exhausted because we have these expectations we place upon ourselves to be able to, to meet that just can't happen. And then that we become discontent. Or maybe there's someone who places unrealistic expectations upon us. It could be a parent, it could be a spouse, it could be a boss, somebody that has ways upon you that causes you to feel that discontent because you feel like you're not doing enough. Then secondly, there's unfair comparisons. Sometimes we can be very guilty of saying to ourselves, the grass is greener on the other side. We want to keep up with the Joneses. And in that we say to ourselves, gosh, if I had their money, if I had their things, wow, I would be so much happier. Or we go like this, if I could look like this. You know, so many times with the, the news and commercials in Hollywood, we are trying to fit ourselves to look like this person or that person. I'm going to tell you, that is fruitless. It is just a big old waste of time. Because as we know, you know if I wanted to be George Clooney, really, come on people, that's not going to happen. But that's unrealistic, right? But for me, if I wanted that and that became my life, then I would become very discontent. And others can do so if that is your desire that leads you to being driven in that. And then along with unfair comparisons, there comes if I had better health or if I had a spouse, or if I had a better spouse. I'm not making light of our disappointments by any means. I, I know it's disappointing when life does not happen the way we want it to happen. I know sometimes for me, I can compare myself with preachers. I'm like, gosh, I wish I could preach like Billy Graham. Or gosh, I wish I could preach like Dr. Terry Moore. But now I have to realize that's an unfair comparison and learn to experience my contentment in Jesus and Jesus alone. And then sometimes we have unnoticed blessings. We don't see what we have to be thankful for, and as we miss out on that, we become discontent. We take our blessings for granted, be it food or clothing or shelter, our health, our home, whatever, our faith. And then in that, we turn our eyes towards ourselves and saying, we don't have this, and become discontent. And then finally, and this is, I think, probably one of the biggest challenges with contentment, is that we have life's hurts and challenges. I don't know about you, but if you're breathing, you've had to have some hurt in your life. If not, it's a miracle. But for me, I know that my wife and I, we've had some challenges in our lives. Uh, not too long ago, about five years, um, a family member became estranged from us. And we've tried to reconcile with her, and to no end, she will not reconcile. So we've not spoken to her in five years. So that's been a very painful process, one that moved us from contentment to discontentment but one that has caused us to really wrestle and struggle, one that has led us to feelings of frustration and, and, and worry and unhappiness and hopelessness. But I'm here to tell you that even when we have feelings like that, we can be brought back to contentment. And sometimes it's a process. And the reason why I say it's a process is because the intensity of the pain that we have will take much more time to be able to deal with the challenge of our hurt, moving us to this Jesus who is in us who wants to remind us that his strength in us truly does bring the contentment in our hearts. For us, what we need to do is to, to restore this contentment or to have it for the first time is really to ask the Holy Spirit. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to remind me of Jesus. Remind me of Jesus, this Jesus in me and my heart. Because when you ask that reminder, the Holy Spirit reminds you of who this Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus will continue to do for you. 
Think about this passage of scripture. This comes from John chapter 14. And as we look at John chapter 14, we see that Jesus was preparing to leave his disciples, to go to be crucified and resurrected. And they didn't quite have a clue of the complexity of all that Jesus was talking about. But he did say, you know what? I may leave you orphan, but I am going to give to you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to do what? The Holy Spirit is going to recall in your mind those things that I've taught you. Those things that you need to hold fast to. So you know what? We have the Holy Spirit who's going to remind us of who this Jesus is and how Jesus works in our lives. And as Jesus does so, we are to turn our eyes upon Jesus. I love this hymn. You'll see it in the hymnal. It's a hymn that's written by Helen Limmel. She lived in England, was born in 1863, and died in 1961. So she lived to be quite old. She wrote the hymn based on the life and writings of a friend of hers. Her friend's name was Lilius Trotter. Lilius was a gifted artist and quite wealthy. She had much influence. But Lilius had a calling upon her life to go to Algeria to be a missionary. And she struggled with that. She and Helen, they prayed together fervently that God would give her the contentment that she needed to take the leap of faith. So she was torn. So as she struggled and as Jesus was a part of her giving her strength, reminding her that he would be there for her, she then turned her life over to Christ and said, I will go. I'll be a missionary. And there she went to Algeria for 38 years. She forsook her art and turned her eyes upon Jesus. And as she did so, she became content in him and him alone. And as we turn our eyes upon Jesus, we are to give ourselves to him, to have an openness in our hearts, to rely on him, to trust him for Jesus and Jesus alone. That Jesus will do a great work in us, in our beings, and from that, he will move us a step forward in faith. You know, sometimes those step forward are hard, especially the thought of embracing pain. I'm not saying here that we have to be masochists and enjoy pain. I'm saying that in faith, take a little step towards that pain. And as you do so, you will experience the contentment of Jesus. And from that, as you trust in him, your life will be changed, transformed into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. It really is about entrusting ourselves to God's care. And then so, we can meditate upon who this Jesus is. So when you're in your moment of pain, when you're wondering where Jesus might be, trust him. Have the Holy Spirit remind you of who Jesus is. And as that happens, you'll be able to experience the peace of God like you've never experienced before. And in that, you'll have this contentment, a contentment that cannot be taken away from you as we continue to move in this journey of faith. Sometimes it may wane, but deep down it's there, and it can continue as we remember who this Jesus is in our lives. Our hearts and our thoughts are turned toward Jesus as he cares for us. He can lead us to remember that Jesus does supply all our needs. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus supplies every physical need we have. Jesus is not a vending machine. We take a quarter, put it in the vending machine, and get something out that we want from Jesus. Wouldn't that be nice? But that's not faith, is it? But it's very much about how Jesus is saying, trust me with where you are. I may not be fulfilling all your needs that you think you have, but I'm taking care of the spiritual needs. I'm going to be there for your contentment. I'm going to fill you with peace. I'm going to give you what you need as you face this day and the days ahead. Indeed, Paul knew this. In verse 19, 
we read, and my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in, in Jesus Christ. So what he's basically saying to the Philippians, you know what, this God's going to supply all my needs. He's going to supply all my spiritual needs, my financial needs. God will take care of me, but no matter what, my fulfillment is in him and him alone, and I'm willing to trust God. You see, I believe that God's calling us to do the same. For us to remember that we can trust God in Jesus because Jesus is in us. And as we trust in Jesus, that contentment, that strength of Jesus lives through us. And from that, in that journey, we experience what we long for, that true contentment. Because you see, sometimes we choose not to lean upon him in that contentment. We look for love in all the wrong places, don't we? I don't know about you, it's an old country western song. I won't sing it for you. But uh, it is very true that sometimes we do look for love in all the wrong places. We may try to perform more so, or we might try to seek other people's love and acceptance to fill that contentment. We might try to fill our void with material things, or, or lastly, we may turn to our flesh to cope with that void that we have. The flesh, like maybe choosing to, to live out of ways of adultery, or pornography, substance abuse, or, or maybe even something as common as what? People-pleasing. Wow, I just touched on my toes here. So in that being said, we can choose to go in that direction, or we could choose to, are we going to trust Jesus? Are we going to be content in him alone? Are we going to walk in this journey with him as he works in our lives to lead us more so into him and who he will have us to be? This is good news for you and me. This is our hope. And I pray that today, as you are pondering where you are in your contentment, if you have no contentment, that you remember who this Jesus is. That he does provide that for us. And remember, it's not a feeling of happiness, but it's joy and peace. And maybe you've never experienced Jesus, period. And if that's the case, I just pray that today that you'll consider coming to know Jesus. It's a matter of trusting him for your salvation, right? It's by saying, you know, I confess my sins. I need you, Lord. Come into my life. And, and from that, to walk out of trusting him. And in that, you'll know contentment for the first time. So it's my prayer for you and for me that we will look to Jesus that we can trust for our great provision of his contentment. It's this true peace and fulfillment that will follow us in this year. It's exciting. It gives me hope. I pray it gives you hope too. Let us pray. God, thank you so much indeed for the message you've given here today to us. Pray, God, that we might be so open to you and the contentment that you have for us. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. It's just a matter of us trusting the Jesus in us that has become a part of us because we know him as Lord. So from that, God, we anticipate you're working, we have hope, and it brings us such true joy. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So stand and sing our last hymn as he leadeth me. Blessed. 